Exodus 3. Now, as you know, we've been in a series on the Ten Commandments. Uh, this is the fifth week, if you can believe that. Five weeks of looking at the Ten You didn't know that we could look at the Ten Commandments for that long, did you? You thought it would get boring by now. Uh, but no, God's Word uh, never is boring. Uh, we could really park there for the rest of our lives, probably, and, and, and be just so fine in our messages, but, but we won't. We're, we're moving through them one by one, and today we're on number three. Now, something came to me through an email through uh, one of you, and I want to share it before we begin, just to, as a little, little comedy here as we begin. But what if God were to text the Ten Commandments to Moses? Here's what it might look like. Now, you help me decipher this. M, please write on tabs and give to people, right? You ever seen some of this uh, shorthand in text messages? No one before me, seriously. <laughs> um, uh, don't worship idols or pictures. Uh, no OMGs. We all understand that. No work on the weekend, uh, in particular Saturday for now in the Old Testament. Sundays later, right? Everybody got that one? Everybody with me? <clears throat> Remember the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother? Your mom and dad are cool, right? I didn't know M&D stood for that, but oh well. Um, I'm, I had to, by the way, I had to learn all of this. I, I didn't really know most of these. Um, don't kill people. You know, that's, hey, that's pretty straightforward. Um, copulation only with your mate. How about that? Uh, don't steal. Don't lie. And then I've been trying to figure out this re-BF. But I think it's re, in other words, don't be false. I'm assuming that's what it is. I don't think it has anything to do with boyfriend, but the next one does. Don't ogle, which is an interesting word. Uh, you have to look that one up. Your, your best friend or boyfriend's, uh, or best friend, sorry, mate or ox or donkey. And then get this. Anybody? Mind your own business. Thanks, Bob. Well, God uh, didn't really text shorthand, although I will say this about the Ten Commandments, and that is they are a summary for the whole law. So you have Ten Commandments that are kind of the foundation of everything else God is going to say. So He simplifies it to ten sayings, or as the Jews say, ten words, and these ten words kind of form the fence, so to speak, of everything else that He's going to do. They are the foundation, which is why uh, they come first. And then He begins to get specific about the law, which is where some of the Bible gets a little, a little tough to read. Notice here in Exodus 3, where we're going to begin is with Moses at the burning bush. Now, just a little little backdrop here. He's on. He's in the desert. Um, you remember this time in his life. Moses' life is split into three sections of forty. All right. So for 120 years he lived. So four times three, 112. You know, add the add the zero, you get 120. So first 40 years he gets trained in Egypt at the University of Egypt uh, by the Pharaoh's house. The other 40 years he spends in the desert. And while he's in the desert is where we pick him up here. He's on really the back side of the desert out in Nowhereville. And he all of a sudden sees this bush that's burning. We're going to pick it up here in chapter uh, 3 and verse 13. 
Notice this, this is the Word of God. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is His name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. (laughs) And He said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey." And they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us, and now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. Your Word is powerful. Your Word is sharper than any weapon that we've ever devised. It pierces all the way to our center. May it do so now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I was in Home Goods, don't judge me, <laughs> the other day with my wife, and I went to the restroom, and there was a little something stuck on the, the wall there with a bunch of business like cards. That was, and so I picked it up as I was washing my hands and, and, and began to read, and it was telling what love is. It was saying, love is this, love isn't this. And so I got interested and it was about abuse, you know, marital abuse and what love is and what love isn't. And it was put out by the government. And I thought to myself, why in America, in a bathroom, do we need little little cards that are issued by the government telling us what love is? It's because we have failed to put this in our lives and into practice the Word of God. And people now see, even non-Christians, even a secular government, sees the need to teach on what love is. How to conduct your lives, what it is and isn't. God has already given us these instructions, and that's why in Exodus 20... God says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This is the third commandment. And yet, most of the time, when we come to the third commandment, we say, Hey, I got that one. That's an easy one. I mean, just don't use God's name as an expletive, right? Don't stub your toe and say Jesus Christ. Don't use the other bad word that people say. 
just leave God out of it. I mean, nobody goes around stubbing their toes saying, Allah, you know, or Gautama, the Buddha, you know. No, nobody does that when they stub their toe or, or, or hit their hand with a hammer. No one curses at another God. They'd only curse at the one and only true and living God who reveals Himself here to Moses as Yahweh. So, what's in a name? I mean, if it's not just dealing with using God's name as an expletive, as a curse word, then what are we talking about here? Why is this commandment important? I mean, if you were going to distill ten things you wanted people to do, if you're going to boil it all down, ten things only that that are going to summarize everything else God is going to say in the Old Testament, why would you put something about His name being used? Well, the word God is a general descriptive term. It's not really personal. I mean, the gods aren't personal. If you go and read mythology, the gods are not personal. And the name God is just general. Even Allah just means simply God. That's all it means. It's not a personal name. It says more of a title. It's descriptive. So even when you come to it in your text, if you'll look here in Exodus, when it says... For instance, in verse 6, to look at God. That's just a general Elohim, which just means gods or God. Just in general. Everybody would have used that term. Which is why often it will say, the Lord your God, or the Lord our God. Now that part that says the Lord, so for instance, notice where he reveals this name in verse 15, your Bible is going to have the Lord there in all caps. L-O-R-D in all caps. That is the name Yahweh, or at least Y-H-W-H, which is called the Tetragrammaton, which just simply means it has four letters. And so nobody really knows how to pronounce it, so you can say Yahweh and act all smart, or you can just say Yahweh or whatever you want to say because no one really knows how to pronounce it because the Jews never pronounced it because it was too holy to them. It was a sacred name. Why was it sacred to them? Because it was God's personal name. The Lord your God. In other words, Yahweh your God. So every time you see in the Bible, L-O-R-D in all caps, that is Yahweh. And what he says here, who do I need? I mean, Moses basically says, look, if I'm going to go talk to the Pharaoh, I need to know by what authority I'm going to be doing. I'm not just going to waltz up in there and say, by the authority of Moses, let my people go. No. Instead, God says, I'll tell you my name. Now, this is, this is revelation. In chapter 3, things begin to change in the Bible because God has not revealed His personal name yet to Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. He's simply known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Again, descriptive, but not His personal name. And here with Moses, the one he talked face to face with, he says, by the way, my name is I Am. (laughs) That's not some kind of Native American thing that's weird, I Am, you know. No, it means that He is. It means that who He is is not defined by anything else. He defines Him, He is. It's actually the verb... It's almost a verb to be. Existence itself. He is. You could even translate it, I will be who I will be. 
I am who I am. In other words, when I introduce myself, somebody says, who are you? We've had this happen before, you know, people, when you first meet them, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. Who are you? You say, well, I'm Marshall and I'm married to Jessica. My father is Hal Dag. Mother is Cindy Dag. I have a brother. I have four children. I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. Etc., etc. But notice how many things I have to tell them in order to qualify who I am. God doesn't have to qualify who He is. He is. He just simply says, I am. You tell them that I am has sent you. Sounds a little odd. That's where we get the Lord from. That, that, that is what Yahweh means. I am who I am. Nothing defines God. God defines everything. Remember, with idolatry, we looked at last week, we're always trying to bring God down into something we can form, we can chisel out, we can mold. You can't mold God. He is who He is. And He is the definer, the center, the beginning of all things. (laughs) So what's in a name? Why is not taking His name in vain important? Well, name means something to us even today, but in particular in the ancient Near East, your name was all you had. You have a Facebook, Twitter, these sorts of things to try to make you look cool, you know? I mean, you read some people's Facebook, you think they're awesome, then you meet them, you're like, oh, you're kind of boring, you know? On Facebook, it looks like you're great, but we we have these personas that we put out there uh, in the digital world that are not really who we are. I mean, I've I've looked at church websites before, and it looked multi-ethnic, diverse, huge, and I get there, and it was nothing of that sort at all. We put these personas out there, these, these images out there of what we would like to be, but who are we? Our name tells us who we are. Not just your own person, not just Marshall, which can interestingly mean herder of horses. <laughs> I don't even own any horses. It also can mean the other Marshall, like U.S. Marshals, so chill out a little bit, commander. Um, no. No, a name. What's in a name? What's in a name here in the ancient Near East? When they heard God say, don't take my name in vain, what they heard was this. Don't empty my reputation of meaning. Don't empty my character of what it is. In other words, I am giving you my name. I'm giving you who I am. And isn't I mean, even in a way today, our name is important. I mean, if you don't want anybody to know about you, then don't let them get a hold of your name. I mean, you can do a lot just with a person's name. Especially on the internet. And some of the tools that people have out there. I mean, your name... You know, normally if you don't want somebody to know, you just give them your first name, right? There's a lot of marshals. There's no other Marshall Dags. At least not according to Google. When we give somebody a name, we give them our self. Our authority. Our power. Which is why when Jacob began to wrestle with the man in the tent, you remember this story from Genesis? He had put everybody else over on the other side and he was alone and this man came in who was an angel of the Lord, who was God, and wrestled with him all night long, finally popped him in the hip, messed his hip up, and he said, 
what is your name? And he said, Jacob. In other words, he gave in to God. He submitted to that authority. And then God changes his name from Jacob to Israel. And then then Jacob gets, gets confident and says, well, what is your name? He says, you don't need to know my name. He wasn't ready to reveal himself personally yet until chapter 3 of Exodus with Moses. And when he does, it's in the context of the relationship that he's going to have with the people of Israel. Remember, he starts a covenant with them, a relationship with them. Then he gives them his own personal name because any relationship, you've got to know their personal name. And so a name can mean reputation. We talk about people having a good name. You know, oh yeah, I know this guy who, who works on small engines. He's, he's, he's a good guy. He's got a good name. It means something to be a dag. That means something. I don't all know what it means, but it means something. You know, my, my grandpa had certain standards that he passed down to my dad, which were passed down to me, which I'll pass down to my boys. I stand in a tradition. And so do you. You have a name. And you can drag that mud through the or that name through the mud. You can defile it, a sh- you know, bring shame to your family, which we've all done. In particular, the family of God. But a name can mean reputation. It can even hold your own destiny. I mean, there's people in the Bible who were named for what they were going to become. Think of Jacob again, right? What does his name mean? Heel grabber. Where's that come from? Well, when he was being born, he grabbed at his brother's heel as he came out. They were twins. And they fought. And what heel grabber means is a deceiver. Was he not a deceiver in his life? He deceived his own brother. He deceived his own father. And then he got deceived by Laban. And God put an end to his deception the night he wrestled with him and gave him a new name. Your name is character. Who you are. Now, what is God's name? What's the question I asked them? Well, His name again is I Am in the Old Testament. And it was so sacred to them that they never said it out loud. They never said Yahweh out loud. Which is why they abbreviated when they came to it. They would say Adonai, which is another way of saying Lord, but not the caps, all caps, L-O-R-D. In the New Testament, what is God's name? Jesus. Which actually means Yahweh's salvation. Yeshua, that Y in there, has the, the prefix of Yahweh in it. Built within it. Yahweh's So Jesus literally means by His name, God's salvation. Yahweh's salvation. So God gives us His personal name because He is a personal God. He's not some impersonal God. He's not a force like in Star Wars that controls both sides. No. He's a personal God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who wants to personally know us and does know us all by name. He's the one who formed us. He's the one who is our author of our story. He's the finisher of our faith. It's in Jesus' name that 
we pray as Christians. And the reason we do is we're praying in His authority. It's not just some way to end a prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. And when you teach kids to pray, that's always the, seems to be the quickest part, right? In Jesus' name, amen. What did you, I'm sorry, what did you say? No, it's by His very authority. In other words, what I'm praying, may it be by your authority, Jesus. Have you ever been in a situation where, where nobody else was allowed to enter the room? You see this a lot as a pastor in, at funerals. You know, the family, we're going to ask the family to go with the body back here, away from everybody else for a few moments. Well, if you don't have the right name, you don't get to go in that room. Same way with most where you guys work. If you don't have the right name on your badge, you don't get to go in. It doesn't matter what you say. You can say it all day long. I mean, I can come and say, hey, I'm their pastor. I need to go in there and talk to so-and-so. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, well, God is my boss. It doesn't matter. Not here. You know, it's what they're going to tell me. If I don't have the right badge, the right name, I don't get in. When we pray in Jesus' name, we're saying, I have His badge. I have His name. I'm a part of His family. I get to enter the room. I get access to all of His blessings, His great salvation that He has, His Holy Spirit. It's in the name of Jesus. It's, that is the name that is above all names. He has secured that right. It is not to be used as an expletive. It is not to be emptied of meaning. And what a day we live in, in our society, where you can go through the public school system and never have one class on who Jesus is, and yet He's the most written about person in all of human history. I mean, just imagine taking all these history classes like I did, going all the way through, and never even stopping to have three hours on who this is who has literally shifted the world, who all of us date our own birthdays to His birth, to His coming. (laughs) It's almost comical if it wasn't true. Have we emptied Jesus of His glory? The Old Testament in Psalm 8 says, How majestic is your name in all the earth. His name is high and lifted up. His name has power because of who we're dealing with. It's not magic. It's a personal relationship. When I call my dad in, I'm calling in reinforcements, and that means power. In other words, if I can't figure out what's wrong with my car, I call my dad. Daddy! Or when I was young, I just, Daddy, I'm scared! I mean, like I've told you before, when my kids, you know, they've been scarred by the tornadoes that have come through our area. I mean, one, that EF5 was a, a half a mile from our house where we used to live. Scared them to death. They, when it starts thundering, they get scared. They begin to draw close. And at night, I hear it. Daddy! Mama! Now, do I just get out my phone and start shooting them a text message? It's okay. The weatherman said it's not going to be bad. No, I don't, I don't shoot them a text message. I don't send up a note. I don't yell up there, It's okay! Get back to bed! You know. No. What do they want when they call my name? 
They want me. They want me in the room. They want my presence in the room. Can't you see that that's what God wants? He is with us. His name is Emmanuel. God with us. He is salvation Himself. God doesn't offer out salvation that's something other than Him. He offers Himself. If you think salvation is playing by the rules, if you think salvation is a job that we have to do, something that you add to your life, you're wrong. It's a relationship with God Himself. Only God saves. The Bible points us there. Prayer gets us to talking to Him. Fellowship introduces us to brothers and sisters we didn't know we had. The mission that He has for us is what we're to be about. But salvation is only in Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus. It's only in His name. It's only in His reputation. And how many of us have blasphemed that name? I'm not looking at you. I'm talking to me. How many of us have have taken on His mantle, His badge, and walked through life not living His reputation? Shaming the name of Jesus Christ in the world. Now you say, well, I can't keep up with all what everybody else is doing. That's right, you can't. And, and, and look, a lot of people give Jesus a bad name. There's no doubt. But what about you? We always want to say, what happens to the guy on the other side of the world who, who never hears... It? No, no. What happens to you who have heard the name of Jesus and you still don't live it? You see, Jesus says something very powerful on the Sermon on the Mount. You always thought the Sermon on the Mount was some nice little sermon that everybody felt cozy when they left. Jesus said, many of you, when you meet God at judgment, are going to say, oh, I I did all this stuff in your name. I mean, I I, I love my wife in your name. I, I, I did these miracles in your name. I preached in your name. I taught Sunday school. I worked in the church. I played music. I did my part in your your name. And Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, I never knew you. In other words, you took on the name of Jesus as a get out of jail free card. Oh, I got His name. Woohoo! And you misused it. You abused His name. We've all done it. Again, I'm not preaching at you. Right here. I've misused the name of Jesus. His reputation. And He'll say, depart from Me, you doer of wickedness. And you go to hell. That's blasphemy. 
You want to know what blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is? It's misusing the name of God. It's messing with the Holy Spirit in your life. He has been given as a gift. And God says, you don't mess with Him. Ever notice how the Holy Spirit doesn't have a big part? It seems He's always kind of behind the scenes working. God says, you don't mess with Him. I've given Him as a gift. You don't quench Him. And then when you do, you will surely die. It's unpardonable because you're dealing with the one who applies salvation to your very life. If you block Him from your life, you block salvation itself. It's not a transaction. It's not something that happens one time and He puts it in the computer of heaven. No, your name being written in His book means that you too have died to yourself just like He died for us. You know, here's the good news. Is that in Revelation, get to the very end, He's closing things down. He's drawing all things together. And He says, you know what, in Revelation chapter 2, He says, there will be a day when I'm going to give you a new name. Those who persevere, I will give you a white stone with a new name on it that no one else can read and know but you. That sounds pretty personal. That the God of the universe, the God that, just like Abraham, we now have faith in with the the eyes of, of our faith. We trust Him. I teach my kids about Him. I preach. My whole occupation is based on someone I've never seen. But I know His name. And His name is good. His name is trustworthy. His name has been in my family for hundreds of years. His name has been in this family of God. For 2,000 years. No, more than even that because Yahweh. Back it up another 2,000. Back it up even further to our, all of our mother and father. Mother of all living. Eve, that's what Eve means, the name. Adam, mankind. That's what Adam's name means. God created us to love Him. To know Him. His plan was always to be on a first name basis. You ever, you ever kind of wanted to know somebody famous? You know? I mean, I would like to know Drew Brees personally. Instead, I'd say, hey, Brees, you know, out of respect. Because I don't know him. We don't call people. When you're writing a book, if you don't know the guy, you put his last name. That's etiquette. God says, you don't just know my title. I'm not just giving you a description of who I am, although He's done that. Instead, I'm going to give you my personal name so that anytime you're in trouble, you just call that name and I'll come running. It's like somebody famous all of a sudden giving you their cell phone number. Call me anytime. We have direct access 
to God. Has anybody thought about that recently? To the one who created everything, who runs everything. Sunsets don't happen just because nature is doing it. Some impersonal force is mechanizing this every day. No, 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 no. God is painting that. If you don't see that, you're you're too scientifically enclosed and closed-minded. You've limited your world to the to material. You can't even believe in love. Love is not material. I don't lay it out for my kids when I leave in the morning. No, it's nothing physical. God is a spirit, and those that worship Him must worship Him in the spirit. Now, where does this come down to us? Well, what is your name? What is your name? I don't just mean your first name. What does your reputation look like? What is the character of your soul? Does it look like faithfulness? Does it look like joy and not complaining? Does it look like putting others before yourself? Does it look like self-sacrificing love? Does it look like forgiveness? Patience? Kindness? Gentleness? Self-control? Does it look holy? Are you blameless? Or are you weighted down by sin? Are you addicted to yourself? Have you drugged Jesus' name through the mud? Have you trampled His blood, as Hebrews says, and walked over His sacrifice as if He was nothing? The good news is this. Simon gets changed to Peter. Simon, who's, who's waving all over the place, jumping out there like a whipping plant, all of a sudden gets turned into a rock by which the church is built upon. Saul gets a new name to Paul. <laughs> Have you had a new name? He can change your name. He can clean you up. That's the Gospel. He says, be holy for I'm holy. That means we can do it. He's not playing a game. He's serious this morning. You're the one who's labeled yourself. I just am a complainer. Deal with it. I'm just angry. Get over it. No. No. Those little seeds of sin that we play with sprout out in our lives more than we want to recognize. We need other people to point them out, but we need God to change us. It's a blessing to be married because you get a lot of those pointed out. It's a blessing to have children because then you even get further ones pointed out. To your friends. Because children are very honest. Let's be honest this morning. God says come to Him like little children. 
Because He is our Father. We are a part of a a family that is not some podunk named family. He owns everything. He's the most famous person you'll ever meet. He's the one by whom everything was created. Do you know Him? He is salvation Himself. Have you taken that name on yourself? And if you have, are you living it out in holiness, in righteousness, in love? If not, today, this very hour, He can give you a new name. He can change our heart, shift our center. Do you want Him to do that? He can do it by faith today. Amen.